Welcome back to A Dream Achieved, a new series in the Matchroom Boxing podcast collection. I'm your host, Scott Hamilton, and today in episode two, we're looking back on Anthony Crawler's rocky road to WBA World Lightweight title triumph in November 2015. Don't forget to give us a follow and a rating to stay up to date with more content dropping across our streaming platforms. Delighted to be joined today, all the way up in Manchester, with Anthony Crawler. Anthony, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Scott. Um, good to have you down, mate. First time here, mate. Yeah, first time here. Show you the, the gym, the place of work. Good the, to look uh, around and see all the, the old school fight posters. I'm a big yeah, fan of that in gyms. I, do you know what? I really am as well. I do. I love seeing some of the names, some local ones, and then obviously some of the big bills and uh, yeah, some of the names. I was going to say some of the names in British, biggest names in British boxing, but also world boxing. It's a place um, I spend, I'd say, 75% of my time now. How are you finding life after boxing? We'll obviously come on to your, your greatest night very shortly, but as we're in Fox ABC, how are you finding that transition into into coach? Really enjoying it. Really enjoying it. As in, like, you know, it's very challenging. You know, a lot of stable of fighters that I'm working with and also just, I don't know, just life in general. Like, say, I'll do a little bit with the schools and then obviously I do little bits of punditry stuff and bits of TV, online stuff. So, yeah, no, I'm still, I'm still very much a part of the sport, you know, in a big way, so I can't. So you get your fix out of that? Yeah, I get my fix out of it, that's it. And that's how, that's how I look at it. So I always say, I always feel guilty when people say, do you miss it? I don't I don't miss it one little bit because I'm still around it. I just obviously, I don't, I think the sacrifices over the years, in the end, without sounding soft, I was tired. It was 100% the right time to go. It's better late than never, you know, slightly late rather than too, too late because I always say, you know, I see the effects that boxing can have on people. But no, listen, I'm still very much in love with this crazy sport. Yeah, you mentioned your little stable of fighters. Three names I'll just run through and feel free to add anyone onto that. So we've got Rhiannon Dixon fighting this Saturday yeah. in London for the European title. A big step up for her against um, Thanders. Yeah, a big step up. And it's it's a real fascinating story of Rhiannon because, I mean, I've banged on about it a bit. So people who know, I've heard it before probably a few times, but this girl never had any amateur experience. She had, she had seven white collar fights. So I got her after two professional fights to have her, she's now Commonwealth champion, and now to be fighting for the European title. It's some achievement, and she's improving all the time. She's she's an unbelievable athlete. I believe um, she'll be around for a bit yet, and she's got massive potential. James Moorcroft as well, who I met in one of the hotel bars. I think it might have been yeah. in Manchester, actually. James, um, character. Real nice bloke. Yeah, Generally he is. is a really nice bloke. He's a James is another one, I'll be honest. We've got, I think, you know, a few know it, but... How he ended up taking them to one. I knew James from halfway. I used to do my strength work in Wigan. So when I see him there, he was always a nice kid. He just speaks to us a little bit and he's always a real nice lad. His manager at the time rang me. but So he, he rang me, but I was in Portugal on a lad's holiday and it was the morning after the first night. And everyone always knows the first day now oh, on a lad's holiday. It's heavy. You know, you're starting in the airport. You're right through him. Anyway, I was up a bit earlier than... Uh, also, lads, I've gone and got a coffee to try and sort myself out. I was hanging a little bit, to be honest. And I got um, a phone call off Steve Wood. Crowley said, you're like, now you know you're coaching and stuff. He says, I've got two fighters here without a coach. And yours is the name like the, that come forward with the love to try out with. And I'll be honest, I didn't want to take any professionals. I just wanted to stay with the amateurs for a bit, enjoy it with the amateurs, look at other things. I was like assisting Joe. Um, Gallagher at the time and stuff like that and, and I think you know when you're vulnerable I just said oh um, well I'm back I'm back Monday um, 
so a day or two after that, I'll, you know, we can do a session or two, and I'll, I'll, I'll listen, I'll help them out till they get a coach, and then, jeez, uh, yeah, I don't know about, what about three or four years later, Rest I'm still with him, yeah, <laughs> still with him, got a few more fighters, then, then there were a few more fighters, but I'm in this mad game now for, for, for a bit, yeah. Just a touch on your brother as well. We made his debut a couple of months back. He's back out on our show on the 21st Yeah, in the Liverpool. 21st of October. It's a mad one, you know, because um, obviously that night he's topped by Jack Cattrall fighting uh, Jorge Linares. And obviously Will was a little fat teenager when I was fighting <laughs> Jorge. And it's mad how it works, full circle. I don't know if it makes him feel old, to be honest. Yeah, he's out. He had his debut in uh, May, was it? Yep. Was it May? And listen, do you know what I say about Will? He's... He's had a real lifestyle change. He, um, you know, it's no secret. I said it before. It. He was going down the wrong path. Boxing. I don't want to start saying all oh, boxing saved him because it wasn't you know that extreme. But you know, yeah, he's been from a pretty dark place. Put him on the right path. Um, and it's certainly. I always say it like I don't encourage. You know, boxing's a tough sport, so I'd never encourage any family member to take up boxing. But. I believe he's better with boxing in his life for sure, and he's enjoying it, and he's improved an awful lot since his first fight. He's working hard and enjoying it, and that was a, that was a proud night for me at the arena with him. Well, it's great to see you flourish in your new role. But today we're going to take a trip down memory lane and have a look back to your crowning moment and yeah. the events that led into you achieving your dream. So let's start with a little bit of background. June 2013. You so you had three good wins on the bounce yes, around yes, then. So we had Gavin Reese. Stephen Foster Jr. a couple yeah. of months later, which was on Frotch Groves number yes, one. Yes, what a fight. Which, yeah, actually, when you think of it, that night in itself turns out to be quite a big night for the whole of British boxing, really. It kind of sparked British, something. Without a doubt. I believe that fight, it are triggered the, the stadium fights does that say I know fights have been put in stadiums for yep. before but that was a huge part of it and I don't know Big AJ come around after that and obviously now he like your Tyson Fury and stuff but that at that time promoters wasn't putting shows on in football grounds and filling them do you know what I mean yeah. and it, it happened a little bit but it become more often after that I think after you boxed Foster you jumped in the front row and pretty much sat there for the most I of the did. card right yeah. I remember it I'm sure it was yeah I was a sat at the but one to uh, fill the power as well I think. <laughs> Legend. so yeah brilliant I'm trying to think it was there and I watched it and I remember thinking remember my little cousin the after going oh my god your face oh it was just open all the time your mouth was wide open all the time but that's what it was gripping Frotch yeah. Groves was that kind of fact I was oh my god do you know it was it was one of the very best I've ever seen live if not the best I've seen live it was just it was unbelievable following that win against Foster obviously the big grudge match with John Murray you won yeah that sort of led on and I had a little fight in Dublin which was sort of just seems to take over and then I think straight after that he announced straight the in. world title. Do you think those three fights against your domestic rivals who were, you know, one of them is a former world champion, one of them's bought for a world world title as well. Yeah. Those three fights in a row give you the confidence to know it was your time to take next step in your in your own journey. Yeah, without a doubt. What it did as well, it done my profile a whole lot of good. You know, the arena's a big place to be going to, but that allowed me to go to the arena and I know like say I was on the undercard and gradually the crowds grew. People just got to understand, you know, professional boxing is a business, so to get these names over, to get these world champions over, you've got to sell a little bit, do you know what I mean? It's very, very hard, and it's one of the brutal sides of professional boxing. I see it now, I've got one or two lads here, you know, they're on ticket deals, and sometimes they're coming away with next to no wages because they've got to cover their opponent, they've got to put their bit in the pot, which is right, for the promoter of the show. What they've done in those three fights, it, it, it made me grow as in, like, in more days, more mentally, professionally, big nights for us. Pressure with it being Manchester, pressure with it being the Gavin Reese fight, where it was like I had a little boy on the way, whether whether I'm going to be a full time professional or not. Yeah, it was that big. Good bit of matchmaking in a row for the three. It got was their, got their combined record. Absolutely, here. It was like 100 wins, eight defeats, and three draws of those three. Yeah, it was a nice. Um, 
It read it read a good fat like that. It's interesting you mentioned about the little boy in the way. You know, the financial side at that time, I think is often overlooked, especially for fans. You know, think oh, the bright lights must be loads of money. But actually, when you're just making that steady step into the next level, oh. you're probably scrapping around for a few quid as well. I, I say all the time. Remember the Gavin Reese fight? I was actually the away fighter that night. Gavin was the matchroom boy and I boxed. Um, it was in Bolton. And I knew then if, for me to be a full-time professional because my little boy was due two or three months later I had to win that night because I knew as well if I ever win this it's a great chance I'll get a contract with the matchroom boys and that was exactly what happened and that was every bit as important as my world title win really was against a good lad in Gav that allowed me because if he didn't win that night I might have had to start working or would have had to start working my training would have suffered and there's a great chance I wouldn't have been sat here with you now it's funny how things work out. Like you say, it it's is. a very crazy sport. And actually, when you start looking at things and how things fall into shape, I find it quite interesting to think, oh, you know, what would have happened if that happened or that? Totally. But, uh, one, yeah. one movement, one action, we'll get onto that later, can trigger and shape a whole and change a whole career. Brilliant. So after those three wins, negotiations started with a certain Richard Abriel. Yes. How long were you in talks with him for? Well, it was... I remember Eddie. So I was, I was fighting in Dublin on the Saturday and Eddie rang me a three or four days four and, and he goes basically said listen we've agreed we're going to go in January and um, we're going to bring Richard Abrelier and Manchester you know I know it's an hard tell in January but we'll get it out there and you know your fan base is growing and blah 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 mate it's brilliant news and I remember I remember at the time feeling ungrateful but straight away I thought shit I'm boxing Saturday does that mean I'm boxing now and mates who've all booked flights over and do you know you just think yeah, what yeah. about daft stuff but I didn't realise that you found out on that fight week so that's interesting yeah, so to be fair what is your bit mad. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say what is your mindset over. my head was all over to be honest and just, it was I only was a six just happy to get yeah it was only just, a six yeah. round I was just happy and then after the fight I had to keep it secret but people knew me close to me and then one or two was like you know just pull out and I thought no my mates have come over and so anyway went ahead with the fight yeah that was it we announced it in the ring after yeah it. I was going to say I think it was pretty and much I there and then wasn't it I think it was probably about ah, it was probably eight weeks later or something like that yeah I was going to fight at the arena for me um for a world title. Yeah, so that was uh, November the 16th. And then, like you say, the 23rd of Jan was the scheduled date. So, yeah, yeah. eight, nine weeks out. Uh, yeah. Abril himself obviously lost a contentious split decision to Brandon Rios. Yeah. He was upgraded from interim champion to full champion. He had some good wins over Tatley and um, Bougarie as well. Yes. I think um, fans yeah. will remember. Going back to Dublin, so I'm intrigued by this. Um, he was on the Macklin Highland undercard. I yeah. mean, even in that fight, you must have been worried about head clashes. You must oh, have been worried I was about massively. Yeah. But I was just happy to get through it. So it was just sort of, to be honest, just... What was that run out intended for? One, because well, I think it was just, I would match people who come over. I remember thinking, you know, the day or two before, am I going to fight them or not? So we had a lot to deal with like that, you know, mentally. So that that fight in Dublin, which was only a six-rounder, wasn't put in place for almost like a run-out? No, to, no was it? That's it, what it was more it was, like, so. like some people was like, I'll oh, just pull out, it's not worth it. And then it was like, no, I want to fight. And then, again, not like my mates would have been bothered. They was probably on the beer nine in the Good morning that morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they was just going to Dublin regardless. Probably couldn't remember my fight. And then, yeah, it was all systems go to, um, yeah, January with uh, Richard Abril. I'm just going to read out a quote of yours from the official fight press release which yeah. you may or may not have, have wrote yourself. It says, yeah. to have a world title shot in Manchester is a huge factor. Without wanting to sound cheesy, it doesn't get any bigger than this. I'm a Manchester lad, so to be fighting in Manchester for a world title, I couldn't be asking for any more. I've been watching a lot of Abriel over the last year because we've been linked with him before. Yeah. So, you've been linked with him before. Was there, was it close before or was it just talk? Well, I think he was just sort of, I was climbing the world ratings. 
rankings. And um, I remember meeting him when Scott Quigg boxed a Cuban lad at the O2. I think AJ made his debut that night and sort of meeting him. And I remember, he wanted to know who I was. And I thought, that's brilliant. But he was tall, very slim, but tall. And I thought, you know, when you're just there around, I thought, I might fight you one day. So I'd watched a bit of him, a bit of a boxing nut anyway, so I'd watched quite a few of his fights. Obviously, the Rios fight, that was that was just a shocking decision, yep. wasn't it? A shocking decision, but it was a Cuban, but I remember right, it was, he had a strange thing where he could go back and forth because I think he had farmland in America. It was a real crazy yeah. one, but he was, he was he was sort of like, he was a champion. And when I fought, when Eddie got there, I think he was a bit of a new needs him club. And uh, he was coming to uh, Manchester in January. Doesn't go as planned. See, yeah. a month later from that, the fight was off. An incident that was well publicised and well documented at the time. Yeah. You was at home, I believe, after a training session and your next door neighbour's house alarm was going off. Just talk to us through. You poked your head out the back door and saw... Yeah, so I'd, I'd come back. I'd been given the night off the track because I was flying in training. And Joe said, you know what? No, I don't want to overcook you. You look really well. Go home. We'll fire up again tomorrow. Uh, we're going to leave the track tonight. We're in a good place. So went in. A lot of, like you said, the alarm's going off. Phone the next door neighbour. I said, Greg, I said, um, your alarm's going off here, mate. Um, there's no one in. He went, ah, oh, she's gone to the gym. I said, um, I'll try and get it sorted. I'll, I'll get someone to go around, turn it off. So I went, no worries. And I joke, stupidly joke. Oh, I'll check no one's robbing your house. Uh, went in, threw my gym back in. I was looking over the, the garden wall. And as I looked over the garden wall, I'd like this, this torchlight on my phone, I'm looking through. Was it uh, the night time? Yeah, well, it was dark night, right. so it probably wasn't that late. It's it's year, probably it? light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was probably like, it was in December, so probably like uh, five, six o'clock or something. I've got the phone looking through the, the patio, and um, I'm looking there, and I thought, I'm going to watch this. Is that broke or not? I'm looking. Yeah, and Ed popped out of the the patio door. You know, you shout, you shout all sorts, and then ran through the house, ran round. I seen him, but there's two of them at the end of the street. And um, so they'd left the house at this point. You yeah, scared they, them from I'd the... scare them from the house. Ran up the street, catching them. They must have thought, who's this lunatic here now? Like because I was talking to him, saying, "Listen, you're not gonna get away from me." Blah 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 blah. I've caught up with them pretty quick. They've turned down down a pathway. And I've sort of cornered them there. I thought, well, I can't really walk back with one under each arm. I'm not uh, that big of a guy, so I just thought, oh, well, one come, come with me. One can get away, and he's, he's going to have to grass or whatever, or, you know, make sure they're not took out. And then, yeah, so one started climbing the gate fence, and unlucky for me, concrete slab happened to be loose. The concrete slab then come down on my head, fractured skull, broken ankle in a few places, and uh, not the best injuries to have going into a world title fight. How did you get help at that point? From there, it was mad. I, I don't, don't ask me how, because... It happened after it, but I knew, listen, I'd been knocked down, but I knew it wasn't a punch that hit me. So I was like, wow. So I literally knew in my head, when I come back, I was like, a brick or a slab's gone over my head. And, and it had, even though I'd not seen it, when it, you know, when it come out the next day. And I sort of stumbled back. Mrs. She said, she's going, oh my God, I was covered in blood. And I was just fuming because they got away, to be honest. And then I'm in the house. And um, at this minute, I don't know what my injuries are. And my mate was coming round, one of my best mates was coming round to pick up tickets for the fight. And he's walked in and he's gone, I've, God, what's happened? And telling them words gone about, what's happened, you know, to try and find out who it is, what's going on. It's, it's one of them, I'm just saying desperate things, my head's cut wide open. Was I'm you going, thinking at that point, was you thinking about the fight at that point? Oh, without a doubt, without, yes, that's all I was thinking about. And I say all the time, desperate people, they'll cling to desperate, you know, they'll cling to hope, any kind of hope. I couldn't even walk with my mates gone, well, I'm not. I'm not going to need these, mate. It's only four or five weeks. Of course I will. Yeah, you know, I just, I won't be able to run for a week. I'll just, you know, I'll 
I'll just have to swim and, you know, my head guard covers this and if I can't spar for me, that's also fine. And um, anyway, and then um, losing a lot of blood and next door neighbours come round at this time. Mum happened to be a nurse, you come round. She's like, you really need to get to hospital here. And um, my uncle come round because he did, like, say the house started to fill up going because they'd heard and news travels fast. And the ambulance was taking its time. So he he rushed me to hospital, took me to the A&E and the person behind the A&E knew and he was like, Oh, what's happened? You know, like, so, like, to be fair, they rushed us through. The next thing I needed a brain scan, and I'm just thinking at this time, this is just madness. This, I'm, I'll be, I'll be training tomorrow or something like that, but your adrenaline's going that yeah. much. It was going on, and I'm waiting a bit and frustrated. And, like, the adrenaline's still there, but the pain's starting to come through. A doctor come out to me, you know, I'd had this brain scan, and all that. He says, Oh, he says, um, Anthony says, um, You're the boxer, aren't you? And I said, Yeah, I am. Yeah, I said, um, Fighting for my first world title next month. I said, nightmare this, isn't it? And he he, um, he just looked at me and I just knew straight away. He just went, no, no. He says, listen, I'm really sorry, but that won't be happening. You've got a fractured skull and your ankle's broken a few places. And right there and then, my world just ended. Do you know what I mean? My world just ended. Yeah, broke me heart. It did. And I, I thought, I'll be honest, I thought that was it for me. I thought that was it for me with boxing. There's loads of things where thought dreams took away from you. I thought I'd not long moved in my first house with my family. Pride would be shot to bits. I thought I'm going to have to send, you know, the missus and my little boy back to her mum's and just your pride, your pride as a man. And So you've gone from up here oh, to down there unbelievably in low. just yeah. a click. Yeah. And this was at the Royal Oldham Hospital, was it? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to them. They was unbelievable. How long was you in there for? Um, I must have been in there about five days or nights and then I was obviously recovering at home, but... There was good to us, I didn't, and then it become pretty big news, didn't it? Yeah, national yeah. News. Very like, quickly, I couldn't believe very quickly, it. yeah. Like, honestly, like, I didn't really sleep that day, and then I turned the telly on, and they moved us off the ward because press was wanting to get in, and wow. we can't have you on this ward, we've got to get you in a private room. So then we did, and it was it was like the morning, I sort of half woke up a bit groggy, like I was, I was possibly on painkillers because of the injuries and stuff like that. And Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was one of them where, put the news on, and I was on the news, I was on Sky Sports News. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on here? And then, honest to God, I flicked after that, I flicked it up, then ITV or BBC, I was on their news and I was like, oh my, so you can so imagine. Hit, yeah, the, that's a, even that's quite mentally the, Yeah, oh draining. no, it yeah, did, yeah. It, 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 I couldn't like. Comprehend. And then I flicked it, yeah. happened on three channels and it was on ITV or BBC, whichever was first. And I was like, I couldn't get my head around it. And like, I didn't know what had gone on and. Yeah, so. yeah, it must have been very confusing. Oh, it was. You were sitting it in was because obviously I was groggy. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Like. So the two fellas that done it, still, as far as I'm aware, they never, never got found, never got brought to. Never got found. Never got. You know what? It's not to sound like a good guy whenever I get asked, but I don't need to know. I don't need to know who it is. And for a while, I did want to know who it is. And you're thinking, if I ever get hold of them and this and that, but being honest, what good would it do me knowing now? What What am I gonna do? give two young lads who was probably desperate at the time robbing houses what give yep. them a good hiding what's that going to do and I genuinely mean it when I say I hope, I hope their life's better well, I it, hope their it might life's have, better that might have sparked something in their lives it as might well. have it done, might have done, might have done yeah. what, what I could live with as well and probably sounds a bit I knew they could never they had to live with that because if they ever got out there was a lot of people who wanted to get hold of them yeah, at the imagine. time yep. as you can imagine yep. that's it but I'm just like whatever it is now it's I, I genuinely hope the better I hope they're not involved in that kind of petty crimes and stuff because I always say it, robbing a house 
it's up there with the lowest of the low. Do you know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, back in the ring, that did somewhat trigger a, a chain of events. So your former foe, Derry Matthews, then got lined up to fight yeah. Richard Abril uh, a couple of weeks later, which then fell through twice, once through injury yeah. and once through promotional difficulties. Yeah. Abril was then stripped of his title, but then elevated to champion in recess. Yeah. Unbeaten KO artist Ismail Barroso, who you obviously know, stepped in to fight on a week's notice against Derry Matthews. That didn't happen either because of a visa issue. Mm. So Canadian Tony Louis stepped in to fight Derry yep. for the interim WBA title. working that on the punditry, yeah. And he won that fight on points. He did. So he was interim, interim champion, champion then. At that point. And Perez then got upgraded from interim to, to f- world to champion correct. because there was all sorts of problems with Abril. And, and we saw that say, you never know. That fight in January, might never, it might have destined never to happen. Do you know what I mean? But um, So yeah, Derry was... There with Louise, and then obviously I fought Dallas Perez, got made, and I remember Eddie phoning me saying, "Gonna get it at Hotel Football, you know, a press conference." And you know what? I remember in the presser, I told it together a bit. I got a little bit emotional, you know. The black backdrop. Yeah, yeah, bang dropped, and uh, it was mad, really, because without sounding like what it is some people thought the backdrop was to announce my retirement um, and all that sounds I remember seeing like, that on yeah. on the early form of Twitter at the time which probably yeah. was just started breaking through there was a, there was some chat on there saying Crawler's due to announce his retirement today yeah yeah, it did and then it sort of hit me when he said it and probably did I got a bit more I probably had to, I had to hold it back a bit and nearly went had you seen the poster before it dropped or was that the first time yeah roughly yeah but it just it was like wow, but then when that dropped, it was yeah, it was um, it was unreal. It's a really nice moment actually. I watched it back a couple of nights ago, where the the backdrop does drop. And the reason I asked you, had you seen the poster? Because it was clear to me that Joe hadn't seen the poster. Joe's you know, sitting to your right. Yeah, do you know what? He takes look. He I'm takes thinking stop. that we'd yeah. not. So I'm thinking maybe I'd not seen the poster. I don't know if he had seen the poster. Now I think about it. If, yeah, if Joe, Joe hadn't seen it, if yeah, I yeah, Joe had, yeah, if yeah. Joe hadn't, then there's a great chance. Yeah, I'm you not. could just tell by his reaction. He hadn't seen yeah. it. He, he literally looked behind him. He looks from right to left, sees that yeah. you're on the left-hand side of the poster, and he just has this massive smile. It was, it was yeah. a nice moment, actually. Yeah, no, it was, and, um, and it was just something like a fire lit inside me that night where I thought, I've, I've, got, I've got this second chat a dream. Do you know what I mean? To make it come true, and I'll do everything I possibly can to make it come true. How did your training change in, in those months leading off the back of the hospital to training camp? Well, well, after that, so with the track work, I was doing little bits and there was just constantly problems with my ankles. And so, I had, so I had to knock the track work on the head a few weeks in. And so that was a little bit of a worry, to be honest. But then I thought with a swim, that will come in different ways. And so, yeah, straight away, it was like, oh, God, like track work, I thought at the time was so important. When I'd lost a huge part of my training, I was very much like thinking, am I going to be as fit? Am I gonna... And But then from that, it made me believe it. I believe it done me a lot of good because all of a sudden then I got a lot stronger because I probably wasn't running as much. I was, um, I don't want to say it was fresher because I was training very hard. Yeah, I possibly was fresher, but my body just changed a little bit, if I'm honest, maybe it's through the swimming as well. Yeah, going into your first world title fight, a huge part of your training no longer being allowed isn't great. And what was the process in terms of being cleared? Presumably, like, the doctors was liaising with the British boxing yeah, board. Yeah, it was, and it was, I mean, that was a worry. That was, there was many sleepless nights where I didn't know if I would wear. Then he had to see a top neurologist. I saw a few brain scans, the board, because obviously we know how strict the board are, and, you know, rightfully so after an injury like that so it had to be cleared so that, that was the big thing we got a fractured skull here I'm, I'm going to pass the brain scan but thankfully where it was at I did yeah my, con- my career continued 
Can you remember who you sparred in the build-up? Presumably, Camp would have been... Bolton. I remember... I don't know, it was that fight or the rematch. done quite a bit myself. I remember the first time I sparred after the injury. Me and Scott Quigg done a bit. It was just... It sounds stupid. And probably Scotty as well, Scotty Cardle. Just a little bit of in-house to get going again. I was dead excited to get punched again, just to see. Just to see what... But then there was that thing thinking, oh, you know, I wonder how they... And yeah, everything was good. I remember Zelfa Barrett, matching fighter now, world title challenger, and hopefully he comes again. We brought Zelfa when he was only young at the time. A bit of a variety, but yeah. Swifty as well, probably. Swifty, yeah, yeah Swifty was another one. There's great in our sparring, but then I remember Zelfa was definitely one of them. There'll be people I'll be missing out. So Dolly's Pires, obviously stylistically very different to Abriel, sharp, strong counter puncher. As an amateur, he obviously represented Colombia at the 2008 Olympics. He lost out to the Russian legendary amateur uh, Alexei Tishenko, correct, in the quarters. He won't bad at all, was it? He went on to yeah. win gold. Uh, and I think he won gold four years before as well, didn't he? In Unbelievable Athens. amateur, yeah. I think, you know what I always say, like, one of the very best amateurs I've seen. And the only time I've ever seen him beat was um, off uh, Frankie, Frankie Gavin. Gavin. Yeah. Frankie yeah. Gavin, and he, he, some talent Frankie was. But yeah, beat him in the World Championships. And Ab- him well. Yeah, he did, yeah. Um, Abriel hit the, the pro game running, really. Uh, 28-0 up to the point of his first defeat. He just started boxing a couple of times in America uh, and obviously had his unbeaten record taken to Gamboa. Yeah, Perez, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In, um, in Canada of June 2013. So leading on to the first fight, we'll just sort of gla- – well, it's not glaze over it. We'll go over the first fight a little bit and then we'll have more yeah. in-depth about the, the rematch. So your record at the time of the first fight was 29-4-2, 18th of July – 2015 an interesting fight for, for many reasons um yeah i've just made some very very quick notes here round one was quietish you both traded some jabs yep. things heated up in the second you tasted the defending champion's power but you responded with your own great right hand which visibly shook perez yep. um you hit him at the end of the fifth with a big left hook which was good to his credit perez probably won a couple of the middle rounds but yep. i kind of felt watching it and I watched it back a couple of nights ago he probably realised from the sort of mid to championship rounds the fight was slipping away he was getting a bit desperate Yeah, um, he struggled to land your, your lateral movement and tight defence evaded any real threat I thought he got warned in the sick for a low blow and obviously had two points off yeah. in the 11th and 12th you must have thought especially with them low blows going in that that's that's done yeah I, I thought I can't believe it even you know, without the low blows, you was... Yeah, yeah. A lot, honestly, to this day, Scott, and I, even like when you get people on Twitter and go, you know, it wasn't as bad as robbery as what everyone said. I've never seen anyone say, I thought Crawler lost that night. I thought Crawler lost that night. You, no one, I mean, no one has. The judges didn't, but two of the judges didn't, but... And even after it, do you know what I was mad like? I was, I was gutted, but I was just happy to be back boxing, Scott. It was, I remember being in the ring, and don't wrong, I was devastated, I was gutted, but then I just thought, I've just lived the dream here, I've just walked out in front of a, you know, a packed arena, walking out fighting for a world title, unbelievable reception, and then it wasn't until a bit after it when it sunk in, and I thought, I was on this massive high, and I thought, I've been robbed of a world title here. And, you know, you see all those big controversy online at the time, and yeah, it was it was an hard one to take, but it was mad. I went from like being the fighter who got a concrete slab over his head to the fighter, you know, trying to stop his neighbours getting robbed to the to the fighter getting robbed of a world <laughs> title. Shouldn't laugh, but um, yeah. and it's like I remember at the time someone Twitter's great for some things. They went, "Where the f- was um, Crawler's neighbours when he needed them?" <laughs> like <laughs> getting robbed like that. You got a laugh for your cry. So the scorecards of the first fight were one sixteen, one eleven, one thirteen, one thirteen twice. 
Buffer as well doing it. You know, that adds yeah. to the, the aura and stuff. Of course. Did you get an inkling something was amiss? Because I've heard a story before where you might have got wind of Frank Smith, Matchroom's yeah, very Frank. own. Yeah, with Frank. Um, and I sort of, and I heard him say, I heard him say something, kind of fucking drop like so you, you said heard that. I was listening to it but then I stole in my head I was thinking no no he's heard it wrong here I've surely got this but yeah I half thought and then when they read the scores out like I wasn't it wasn't as shocked I'd overheard it yeah that I don't remember that softened the blow oh <laughs> uh, what but yeah it was just it was a uh, no it was it was it was an absolute signal I remember going away going away on um Holiday and people were just coming up to saying, Oh, you're that boxer who, you know. And I was sat there with um, Vernon Jesse, and then I got the phone call saying, Listen, I knew there was a great chance of the rematch being, you know, happening because there's a lot of controversy around it. And thankfully, the WBA had done the right thing and ordered a rematch. I remember being on holiday when the rematch and getting the phone call from Edda. So I was made up, and it was mad. I was sort of like, looking at something in this bar and I was on Sky Sports News talking like, you know, and yeah, and and I knew there and then, listen, I can't be known as the boxer who, you know, got it over the head with a concrete slab. I can't be known as the boxer who got robbed of world title after it. I, I need to be known as a world champion and I knew there and then, once I got granted that rematch, there was no way I was going to or I could let this opportunity slip. You mentioned you was on holiday there. So, yeah, like you say, there was a, a petition lobbied with the uh, with the WBA. So 12 days after the fight, they agreed to an immediate rematch. Your quote from the official press release, when I heard the news, I was honestly close to tears. Not yeah. getting that decision was hard to take, but I was so grateful to even be a part of such a great night that yeah. no one could ever take away these memories that I had that night. Now I get another chance and I'm more determined than ever. The people of Manchester and the UK have been incredible and I can't wait to be back in there again to face Perez. So everything you just said leading up to that is, yeah. in, that, is in that note. And and I meant it, I meant it, and I thought I was just remember thinking, oh my god, and I was I was thankful, obviously, match room and and the petitioning, I got that chance, I got that chance, and I knew there and then building up, that was gonna, there was a great chance, I'd, yeah, that was gonna be a final chance to become a world champion. You must have had confidence. I know you, it was a draw on paper, but you yeah. must have had confidence knowing that you. I did Could that. Beat I, I should have. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And I got massive confidence from buzzing him in the second or third round. You said it then. I took huge confidence from that. And I knew I was good enough to be in there with him. Not just be in there with him. I was good enough to beat him. And it's mad. There was just, maybe you call it tunnel vision, manifesting or whatever. I knew from that moment, the moment that fight got announced, there was no way I wasn't winning that rematch. Not, no way. And I'll probably get onto that. But I remember on the night, Eddie told me after it, he said, I was fuming in the changing rooms, thinking you're going to let this pass you by because you're just too calm. But I remember being out there a week or two before Liam Smith, my mate, won a world title. And I saw him with a belt and I thought, there's no way I can't let myself have that feeling. I want that feeling what my mate's got now. I just knew, like you say, whatever you call it, destiny, whatever you call it, Whatever you want to call it, I knew I was going to become world champion that night. Just on that Liam Smith point, I think he beat John Thompson, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that was the out. one at the arena. They was obviously all in the front row for the rematch. Very clear on the TV yeah. to the right-hand side, all four Smith brothers. How important is, also to this day, uh, a competitive atmosphere in the gym to spur you all on? No, ab- absolutely. Um, it was unbelievable. Like you say, you had the Smith brothers, you had Scott Quigg, Scotty Cardle, Callum Johnson. Everyone was pushing each other hard to get the best out of each other and... Even like doing the hill runs at weekend over the years, like no one wanted to be last, but everyone wanted to be battling with each other, and it was it was good. And 
it's cheesy the saying iron sharpen irons you know iron sharpens iron but that's exactly how it was and during I mean, the time you had that very much that pat mentality do you know what i mean yeah so uh, a month after the fight was confirmed the fight was officially announced with the artwork yep. and the date and stuff so that was on the 28th of august the fight was confirmed for the 21st of november now interestingly we just spoke about you know your training camp and you had zelfa in and stuff for the yep. rematch as well pack mentality in gallagher's gym interestingly for Perez, he stayed at home for this camp where he usually went to LA, which I thought was quite an interesting yeah. interesting uh, move by him. He said it was generally the best camp he'd ever had at that point. No excuses. Yeah. He did, however, make an excuse for the first fight. Yeah. So it transpired. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. I don't think it, I have. It transpired. The reason he said he was so flat in the first fight is after the weigh-in, he went for his post-fight load-up. Yeah. He had an allergic reaction to some pepper. Oh, have you ever heard that story before? I've not heard that. That's the first thing I've heard. That's legit. That really? Was his, he said he had an allergic reaction. He said as soon as he was eating, I didn't know that. eating some pasta, he could feel in his mouth swelling up quite significantly. Wow. And contributed that. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. I didn't. But it's, it's, yeah, a, no, it's different. It is. And I'll be honest, in the second fight, he felt that a little bit stronger and a little bit more pop behind his shots. So might have been true. Might have been true, to be honest. <laughs> oh, it probably was true. Um, geez, no first time I've heard that, to be honest. But yeah. He, um, so no, listen, I've got to, he, he had a much better camp. Um, obviously, I'd adjusted. I'd, I'd realised the running thing mentally it wasn't such an important thing. And yeah. You turned 29 years old just five days before that fight. Yeah. I'm guessing the... There's no birthday cake. Yeah, there was no birthday cake. No, the oh, geez, the birthday present was going to come five days later. Absolutely. You had a phone call in the build-up to the fight from Sir Alex, I believe, who sent on some well wishes. Yeah. Have you got his number on your phone? It was... No, I've not. I've not got... Um, I was going to say, what do you have it say there, Sir it Alex? Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it would be Sir Alex. But I've been lucky enough to meet Sir Alex um, an handful of times now. And yeah, I think you know yourself. I'm a big football fan, but he's um, for me the greatest manager that's ever... I'll make the... the the memories we have through the teams that that man has managed is just unbelievable. So to get when he first rang me was after the accident and that I thought it was a prank. I didn't think it was. I nearly put the phone down. Did it come up withheld or? Yeah, I nearly put the phone down and um, it was um, a friend, Jim Rosenthal, who knew Sir Alex and I've worked with Jim. who was great and yeah, that's how it it come round and. Yeah, I, and then I've met him, you know, in person a few times through um, a good friend who sponsored me through my career, Jeb Mason, Mawson. Surreal. It was surreal. And then there's a few videos of some fights, you know, wishing me luck. Alex Ferguson, it's Sarah That's Alex. mental. Yeah, <laughs> it was. No, it wasn't like, obviously, in the career and stuff, there was football players who would go in, watch him week in, week out. But, yeah, nothing, nothing beats Sir Alex. So let's just skip forward to fight week quickly. Uh, I'm guessing with the, you know, the language barrier somewhat, must be different, you know. Some domestic opponents, you could probably get riled up and yeah. you can hear what they're saying. A bit more understanding and, and respect, I guess, just there in general. Were, there was always um, handshakes. I do remember at the presser, though, in the rematch, <laughs> I remember Perez half like, Joe, Joe Gallagher, he the other way. I, I, I genuinely don't think he'd done out this day and he just made a bit of a beeline for Joe. You know, I had a bit of a snap at him. I was like, oh, jeez, I don't know how that's gone so... But he was worked up or whatever. That's not like Joe to work with. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, I genuinely don't think he did. I genuinely don't. I thought once, fight, there's probably a lot of times he has done, but I don't know if he has done it here. But Perez made a bit of a beeline for him. <laughs> he, he's, through through uh, translate bits, I've got respect for him. But for a caller, but yeah, he's coaching, blah, blah, blah. I remember that so far. Oh, he just seems a bit rattled here, him. 
But anyway, shook hands. And I was always, I've never been that guy. I'm no, not, no, you know what I mean? To, you know, looking for little edges and stuff like that. But yeah, no, he was certainly worked up in the presser. So the fight's obviously in Manchester. Did you typically stay in the fight hotels in fight week yeah, or go home? I did. No, I, I stayed in the fight week. Um, I stayed in the fight hotel all the time, fight week, because in Manchester, it was just, although I don't live far from the centre, it's just travelling in and out. And, and it's good. I think it's sort of, it gives you that alone time to think, you know, visualisation and to think, you know, the job on hand. I don't want to mess this up. And yeah. What was your favourite post weigh-in load-up of choice? Did you have so a restaurant I, you went I to? I did. Or? I um, sound a bit bougie here, but... Um, I know what you're going to say, I It's San Carlo, isn't gonna it? I knew going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I'd go there and I'd always have the same thing. I remember the, the chef, was, my mate's dad actually was the manager at the time. He's going to make you a world champion and stuff. <laughs> and I used to, so my mate, I'd, I'd have like my drinks, little bits of fruit and stuff, you know, the, the carving up, the hydrating process, but the, the my food all the time from there when I boxed in Manchester, I would always have sea bass, salt, sea salt baked in sea bass. So the they'd light it in front of you and you'd be cooked in sea salt and I'd have pasta and a little bit of spinach. That was me. And then when I had that, it just felt like, yeah, probably a bit of it was mental. I knew I was, do you know what I mean? I knew I was, um, I was good. What a place and, that is, by the way. I was there a yeah. couple of weeks ago when um, England played cricket at Old Trafford. I popped in, popped down there with an evening. It's um, a good one for me. It's the best one. There's yeah, a good atmosphere nice. in yeah. there and stuff. And yeah, no, it was, it was, that was always, I'd have that and I think, yeah, that's tick now. Do you know what I mean? And a bit geeky, but as well, like the one thing I had the cheap because I'd always crave during camp, a bit of a cookie monster, M&S triple chocolate cookies from the bakery though. Yeah, yeah. Can't yeah. be hard, yeah. like can't be out of a packet. It's got to be from the bakery. Love that. Yeah, and that, so I'd have one of them as well. So you've weighed in now, you've you've ate the night before, so to speak. Any superstitions, any particular time you got your head down for sleep? No. Did you study what, anything the night before? What? I'd, no, what I'd do, what I'd always do, there's no superstitions um, but I'd always see my mum um, and my auntie for um, a brew on the day. And because she wouldn't come and watch me, my mum. She loves boxing, but she never come and watch me. Like, she watches all the shows, come to all the shows since. Um, for her 60th, took her to New York for Katie Taylor Serrano, and she loved it. But Did she, she ever didn't watch, watch your box? Early on, yeah. early on in my career. And my little brother William, she went to his pro debut. <laughs> I must be the favourite son. She didn't like me seeing him <laughs> box. But yeah, uh, getting punched. But. <laughs> Yeah, so I'd see my mum and then I'd always just, I'd always have a moment in the room where I'd be, I'd be pretty calm on fight night, me. I think I was I was calmer than probably 90% of boxers, but I'd always have a moment, it might be half an hour, an hour, in the hotel on my own, like to go off and I'd get nervous and I'd think about everything. But yeah, the only superstition, it wasn't a superstition, but I'd always say a prayer when I was in the changing rooms. It wasn't, please let me win, please let me, I just... Just let us come out safe. 21st of November, 2015, fight day. Like you say, you, you would have met your mum for a brew in the morning. Um, yeah. Can you remember much about the day leading into it? Do you it? know so what? I remember there was there was a buzz around it. My little brother, he, he um, used to do tickets on it. He used to meet loads of people on the day and he'd be going, and I don't want my you, but people have been on, they want more tickets and this <laughs> and that. And I was just like, so he was, I think he was relieved. When it, it's quite when stressful it, when tickets, it went to isn't the it? venue, oh, geez, yeah, it's sentimental. And especially, listen, those lads who are on ticket and girls who are on ticket deals, yep. it's like, because they've got to push it. But yeah, no, oh, no, they're sending mad and my mates. And geez, I think they're still good mates of mine. You probably still owe me from the first <laughs> Perez fight. But you just, yeah, massively um, stressful, massively. Can you remember who your beloved Manchester United beat that day? And did you watch it before? Yeah, yeah right. So 
Let me think. One of them was Watford. Was it Norwich? An away game? Watford. No, Watford. Watford it was. Correct. Yeah, because I remember there's another game. So 2-1. Norwich. Friend of Matram, Troy Deeney, got an 87th minute equaliser, yes. but then scored no goal in the last minute. So there was people on that thing. Yeah, yeah. So what happened to everyone? And there was people, because I'd always get good support from the club and the fans and stuff. Manchester United fans would come as well to the arena, as you know. There was people who, again, I think it was early kickoff. Yeah, you know? I think it was 12.30. It was early yeah. 12.30 kickoff. So, you know, there's people having their first beer at 7 o'clock in the morning. So, I probably box about 10 p.m., 10.30 <laughs> at night. You can imagine. That is what you're going you all day imagine. That is what yeah. you're going all day There was a few of them. Because I remember um, in my first defence after it, that's when I think they fought Norwich. Oh, Norwich, geez, yeah. There was, um, there was a lot of drink that got drunk that night in day <laughs> in Manchester. So the day itself was quite interesting because same time, well, same same day anyway. Martin Murray had boxed Arthur Abraham. Abraham. Yeah, um, I think, so I think that so, so they staggered it, yeah. didn't it was they? An hour yeah. four, basically. So yeah. in, in, in one so sense, I went in the ring pretty late. So I know there was a few, there was a few reds who come who it, it killed them and they, they fell asleep <laughs> for an hour or something in the, um, you know, in the stands. Yep. in the stands while they was waiting for me, not not watching the fight, just through the beer and took its tell. And the week after that, um, Tyson Fury was fighting Vladimir Klitschko as well. So yep. British boxing at that point was certainly on a yeah. even more of a high. So I was over in Las Vegas actually working f- on the Canelo versus Cotto fight, which was later that night as well. Yeah. So I wow, was. Wow. Yeah. So was it Canelo Cotto that night? Correct, yeah. Because yeah. I remember another time it was Canelo Khan. That was Barroso. So yeah, Canelo Cotto. So I was watching it in the media room, crouched around with a few journalists. And like you say, yeah, British boxing was on a high, high that night. Uh, Lee Haskins just got elevated to yeah. BIBF uh, world yeah. champion as well. So Britain was looking to, to gain another world champion in yourself. Now, unlike, unlike the first fight where Joe had four or five on the undercard, he only had yeah. markers out this time. Do you think yeah. that was a conscious decision by him to almost um, lighten his workload I, a little bit? or Possibly. I think you have to ask him, but I don't think so, no. I don't think so because I was just used to it throughout a lot of my career, you know, having a handful of fighters on and it could work two ways, like, but thankfully a lot of the time your teammate would win, another teammate would win, so it, it'd spur you on yep. even more. I was going to yeah. say, it was always a busy change room for Gallagher's fighters for that very and reason. I liked it like that. Yeah. I liked it you like that. You had the music that. pumping, yeah. people in there. Uh, on the undercard that night, Ryan Burnett made his matchroom debut and won the British title. Isaac Lowe and Ryan Doyle fought out a draw. Yeah. And Tyrone Nurse edged through Chris Jenkins, I think it was. On that night, yeah. Do you remember, do you, was you someone who would have a TV on and watch. I would, yeah, I'd watch it. I didn't, I'm a big boxing yeah. fan, so I'd enjoy watching that. And remember that, yeah, Ryan Burnett, did he beat Jason Booth? Correct, I love yep. watching Jason yep. Booth. Um, I know, like you say, he was at the end of his career then, but yes, Ryan, great fight. He turned out to be his career horribly cut short, but... We're actually going to get him on yeah. this podcast in a couple of weeks. Really? I'm meeting up with him in Ireland. Uh, uh, good in guy, Ireland. Ryan, yeah. Um, a lot of time for him, real good guy, and uh, listen, he's, he's, he's in some shape now, the boy. He's caught, cool, is he? Yeah. yeah. He might uh, be making bantam weight now, would <laughs> So your team that night, obviously Joe Gallagher, Scott Quigg as well, yeah. and uh, Mick the Rub. Mick, what One or two guy. others as well, maybe. What a guy. Yeah, I don't remember if Darren Phillips was in the corner that night. Yeah, I think he um, was, yeah. Darren, yeah, yep. he was, he was, he was, because I remember in the corner, he, he nearly ran over to the street, and he went, oh, hello, back a little, Darren was a good guy, <laughs> oh, he's a good guy. Yeah, Scott, because we'd been through so much um, in camps, like when he won the, the Martina, I remember there's a picture after the first Perez fight, he just beat Kiko Martinez, and he's like, sort of consoles us a little bit, and we'd been through a lot that camp together, and I think Scott, he's a mate, and... He just had the highlight of his career, and then it would have been the perfect night for Joe for other people if I would have then gone and yeah 
Do you know what I mean? Two con- so, contrasting emotions yeah. there. Yeah. And then Mick, ah, Mick, I, you know, I'm going to have to get in touch with Mick. Um, not spoke to him for a bit, but it's a good guy. Some uh, great stories. Great stories, yeah. I used to, stories that used to be one of my favourite parts of a match from Fight Week. He would arrive typically on a Friday. Yeah. Um, like to Guinness, man. Love, love a pint of Guinness. And just, yeah. just, I just used to listen to him. It was just I, brilliant. You could listen to yeah. him all day and I'd always like... If I could, even if I couldn't have a pint of Guinness or out like that, or do you know when when we went away on trips and he was there, I'd, I'd always go for a walk with him and listen to him. And so he was he was brilliant, just full of knowledge, the rub, but also so much knowledge and just a good guy. You mentioned earlier on when we were speaking, uh, and also do you remember that time we done the content at the arena before your last fight, yeah, the last dance. Um, you said about this Perez two fight it's probably the most relaxed you've ever been. Ever. What do you think that was? Because you could be. I just. I was saying it before. No, I really believe because you could argue that was the last world title shot I was going to get. But I really believe I was that relaxed because I just knew there was no way I wasn't coming out with that belt over my shoulder. I just believed it was meant to be. Like I say, I don't. I can't pretend to know about visualization, this and that. I don't. But I just knew there and then it was meant to be. It was meant to be. A place you'd obviously been going years. You saw Ricky Hatton there numerous times. Yeah, I mean, it's a very special place, the arena. Even to this day, every time I go there, you do get say goosebumps maybe a little bit yeah. too far, but it's definitely a presence about the place. You know, it's very special, drenched in British boxing history. Yeah. So for you to, to grow up there and to point to this moment must have been great in front of your friends and family. Uh, the, the picture you see where you don't know whether I'm happy, crying, relief. There's so many emotions going through that because it had been such a long time. Talk about the ring walk. So James Arthur ah, into yeah. Whitney. Bang. Um, it, you wouldn't that had worked, would you? No. James Arthur's and Whitney. But it's but quite that, a good combo, yeah. Yeah, and even like I remember like James Arthur. Um, I went and watched him a few times. I remember one time he shouted me out actually in his concert, what a guy, but I was just a big fan. But you know what was with that ring walk? Eddie asked me, and I think it was, but it was the fight before, what are you coming out to? Mate, I'm, I'm coming out to hometown glory, and then it's going to go into a million dollar bill. And he went, I went, but it's a different hometown glory. It's a guy called James Half, because he wanted as well. And I went, oh my God, mate, that's the guy off X Factor Talk. You don't understand. I've always wanted to someone come out to this. <laughs> I swear on my life. Yeah, I'd love to find the message. Now, it was somewhat along those lines. He went, honest. I went, you're being like, mate, honestly, I'm not joking. Like, wow. I've always thought that would be unbelievable. And, and it did, it used to yeah, always. Yeah. When it kicked in, it was like a base version or something like that. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. I counted, actually. So you're in the ring, obviously, first as a challenger. Yeah. The moment you step through the ropes to the opening bell yeah. is over 11 minutes. You're joking. 11 minutes. You kept me waiting. I was watching it? it and I was thinking, hang on, this is really long here. 11 you minutes. kept me waiting, yeah. didn't Can it? you remember it being long? No. I not remember <laughs> it being that long. 11 crazy. minutes yeah. is long. Very long, yeah. Jeez, that's like, Naz used to keep his opponents <laughs> yeah. waiting, but 11 minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, God, yeah. You was wearing um, white Grant gloves. Why did you wear Grants at that time? Um, I was just a fan of the gloves. I'd see them as puncher's gloves as well. And me being a little bit vain, I thought they looked really good. Yeah, they did. <laughs> I thought they looked the really they, good. They definitely matched the, the, the white, purple and gold. It was, um, it was just matching. Third man in the ring, Mr. Terry O'Connor. He refed a couple yeah. of your fights before, most recently Murray, then DeLuca and Nesbitt as well. Yeah. Three neutral judges, one from America, one from Belgium, one from Venezuela. No secrets and no surprise to see that the judges from the first fight didn't get a call up for the rematch. Yeah. Um, I can imagine Joe being involved in all of that at the time. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. And he's like, oh, you know, Terry O'Connor, I'm glad we've got a good referee. And I think you remember Joe saying, I want to see that big Terry yeah. O'Connor wave. Do you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> thankful that we did see that. You spoke it into existence. But yeah, it did. It did. But yeah, no, Terry, Terry's sound. I, um, I always see, I still see him on the circuit yeah. now. But yeah, I'm always thankful of that night. And I always remember, how does it feel, son? You're a world champion. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. 
It was Craig. Craig was the MC that night. Craig, Craig Stevens. Stevens. Yeah, I saw I like him. Craig. Saw him last week actually. Um, I was Great up in MC Glasgow for yeah. Ricky Burns's fight. Yeah, of course. So he, yeah, he, he said to say there. hello to everyone. Yeah, he's uh, yeah character Craig and that. But yeah, no, it was um, yeah. So we um, he announced us as world champion. Yeah. We'll come on to that. <laughs> We're going to go very briefly through round by round. So I've made some notes here, very shorthand. Um, any memories or, or notes, feel uh, free to jump in. So I've got here round number one, both trying to hold centre of the ring. You landed two very nice body shots. Yeah. The electric atmosphere for the ring walk has died out a little bit yeah. where people seem to be a bit more conservative and watchful. Yeah. You can almost feel the intensity. Could you feel that? A little bit, yeah. A little bit sort of, it felt like people was on edge. Yeah, yeah. Um, that certainly come across, yeah. yeah. and like little early on, I think we're both looking at each other thinking, well, it's round 13, but yeah, is there going to be anything different? How does he feel? And likewise, probably feeling each other out a little bit as well. Round number two, I put Perez come out a little bit cuter for the second. Yeah. Still tit for tat. Was a close round. You landed some very nice jabs. Perez a little bit more adventurous. He arguably won that round. Yeah. If you remember right, I remember Joe saying you've got, you know, you've got to roll out. You stop rolling out or something like that. I you know think what? That was I've it. got the exact quote here. I'm glad you, you Is mentioned that. Is that right? So I've got Joe in the corner. Keep the jabs coming. Go to slip with the right hand. Keep that feet and rhythm going. Don't come off your jab. The jab is key. That's what he said at the end of the second. Yeah, behind the jab, like, and that was it. Yeah, just slip, like, don't stay on the line. So, yeah, it was there about. Now, I remember that. It's the first I've got time we uh, revisited that. I've got some more Joe quotes coming up, actually. It's quite interesting to, to listen back. So, round number three, a uh, bit more confident from Perez, but he started to make a few mistakes when he was coming yeah. forward. You started to land some nice body shots. The pace certainly picked up. I think you won that round. Yeah. So, I guess one thing in particular, you know, the pace was very fast. One thing you know from from a Joe Gallagher fighter, you would have been as fit as a fiddle. Yeah, I was. And I think it was in that round. I started hearing just a few little noises coming out when the body shot landed. Yep. I think I'm right in saying that. Yep. I've got another quote from Joe in the yep. corner here at the end of the third. He says, you're boxing well. You're letting him touch you a little bit too much. Yeah. Roll your head after the right that hand. That was it. That's when the roll came in. So it was the round after, yeah. You're out of range with the body shots. Step back, pause, and then come in. He's yep. timing you at the minute. Yep. Roll your head after the right hand. You're getting caught a bit. Yeah, yeah. And that was it, yeah. So that was the one. So I went around early then, but yeah. Uh, but I knew I'd had a bit a better round after the second had adjusted. Fourth round. Peach of a body shot in the fourth with just over a minute to go. That Pe was when I knew it had creased him, yeah. 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 Perez was missing more. He drove the jab through his guard and pierced yeah. him with a nice uppercut. The crowd was starting to come alive. You seemed to hurt him literally on the bell yeah. with another body shot. Yeah. Joe's comments at the end of the fourth are very interesting. Yeah. You won that round, lovely. You're hitting the body, lovely. Left and right. When you land your good stuff, don't stay there. Yeah, He's feeling to be it. Coward, yeah. You're hurting him with those body shots. Tuck up, touch the head, and whip around the body shot. Yeah. That's his exact words. That was the um, exact words. And I listened. I wasn't a bad listener. <laughs> Thankfully, I did then. And yeah, obviously, the fifth, then we yep. went into roll, round five. and You backed him up from the off in that round. Yeah. I did because I knew I'd hurt him the round yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Some frustration creeping in from Perez. He was almost yeah. winging a little bit. Yeah. Um, wasn't having it his own way. Like you say, you hurt him in the in the, the round before, and then bang, pinpoint left hook to the mid drift. Perez went crumbling. You almost casually walked back to the neutral corner. Did you know at I, that point? No, was it a bit do surreal? You know what? I think it was a bit surreal. So I put him down. I thought, oh, he's gone down. And then it was. It, if you look back, right? And there's an. I remember an angle that match you mad. I was looking and I realised I'm looking thinking, hang on a minute, he's not going to get up. No, no, don't get up. Stay down, stay down. And then, thankfully, 9, 10, I let this scream out. You know, I let this scream out of emotion. and yeah. That must have been everything bubbling up, right? Everything. Yeah. The whole career, in a way, letting out the emotion. Just everything. Not, that not 12 weeks, not one year of dedication, not since the sacrifices, the sacrifices from being a 10, 11-year-old boy, genuinely. I mean, the scenes... 
It was mad. It was seen. Yeah. Loud on TV. Really loud. I mean, yeah. spine tingling stuff. I can see you getting a little bit emotional thinking about it. Um, yeah. You know what? Our good friend Adam Smith at Sky, oh, I think he, he nailed that bit of flow of action brilliantly. He had a great yeah. divide balancing his professionalism with his pure joy for you. It was yeah, great was to so listen back. Yeah, he was so happy for me. He was so happy for me and it meant a lot of that from Adam. And yeah, he did it. He did it brilliant. He did it, he did it brilliant. He really did. You went off on all four turnbuckles like a WWE wrestler. Manchester. Yes, I did. Yeah, they, it was brilliant. Yeah, I'd seen Ricky like do it, but that's what I felt like. I just felt like you know I was just proud, the proudest man in the world right then. I was. To- uh, scorecards at the time of the stoppage: thirty-eight, 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 thirty-nine, thirty-seven. Crawler. Yeah. I guess you didn't want to leave to the judges this time. No, no, I um, I didn't want that the controversy. I, listen, I'll be honest. I thought there's a good chance that I could, although I felt stronger in the gym. I thought, yeah, it could go to points again. But I want to make sure this time. I think one of my favourite parts is when your brother jumps in the ring with his hat on. Yeah, he, he knocks it flying. <laughs> knocks it flying. Yeah, it makes me. Die he did. I've got the picture out there somewhere. <laughs> to be honest, he was only yeah, he was yeah, he was only young then, and yeah, of course, I, you know, my little brother he was always very close to me and stuff, and there was just yeah, there's just hugs, kisses going around everywhere. I think that 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 moment at ringside and around. You were six to one for the stoppage. Fair to say, a few of your mates got on. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have to buy a drink for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've got a few of them jumped on. Um, a few of them got the round. Don't ask me how. Wow. Um, but yeah, like you say, the the scenes are unbelievable. You know, it's a lot of people in the ring, a lot of hugs. You can see Eddie's very emotional as well. Joe's yeah. tearing up. I mean, just a quick word of your relationship with Joe. You know, the work that you guys have put into that moment, special for you both because you know it was a, yeah. it was a journey and a half. No, it was, it was, and I always say this about Joe, I'll, um, I'll be forever in debt to him for the for when he took me on in my career, to how he turned me around, and just the work he put in with me was unbelievable. I think his, um, his passion towards his fighters is almost unrivaled, you know, he's yeah. he's so dedicated to the cause, he would do anything for you guys, I oh, really anything. respect him for that, and congratulations to Joe as well, I saw some news in the last 24 hours or so about his new gig at the Mike Tyson gym yes. in Saudi, so it's, yes. good luck to him. <laughs> yeah, fair play to him, and I'm sure. Listen, you know, his, his, his passion for the sport is as much as ever. Obviously, he's there. He's back at his original home in Champs Camp. So yeah, no, he's um, he's very he's very happy, very focused, very determined as always at the minute. You mentioned Craig Stevens was the MC and the new. Yeah. When those words were read out, I mean, that's what every boxer wants to hear. That is yeah. that is the three words. Was, yeah, I've never got fed up of watching that. Never <laughs> ever got fed up of watching that or listening to that. Yeah, that was the proudest. Uh, yeah, that was that was such a proud. I was proud just for everyone. Like, I remember my dad coming in the ring. He was never like that. My dad I mean, it probably might have been the only time or once after that. And he was just. I was very proud for a, a lot of reasons, and I felt like I'd made a lot of people proud close to me. So it meant the world. Definitely. Just a couple of final little questions, my end, mate. Um, and we asked Darren Barker this in episode one, and I understand you know people's circumstances are different, but I think I might ask everyone this question yeah. in this series. Uh, and it might be a bit weird because you went on to Blitz Barroso, but actually yeah. when you won the world title, did a little bit of your desire drop at all because you'd reached you know, the peak? I think I've asked for Darren with this, but no, it didn't. It really didn't because I was probably greedy where I thought, <laughs> I want these feelings yeah, and yeah. more and bigger. So yeah. that was it. And I always say like when I won, so arguably defending it was every bit as good, if not better. Yep. Do you know what I mean? So That's interesting. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, um, I kept it that, and I loved those nights. I loved those nights. I loved what it, the, what it brought to us. And, and in the end, those, they take it out of you, but the training camps, the training camps and everything around it, 
they can be draining in the end, but because after a fight, weeks after, I'd always have this come down where I'd be a little bit, a little bit run down. Probably that was a bit of probably change of diet, <laughs> yeah. lack of sleep, but it was yeah. I loved being around all that. Now it seems to be customary when the belt changes hands that you have to give the belt back to the defending champion yeah. at the time. When did you give Perez his belt back? Right, so I gave it him back after the fight. You know, I gave him back after the fight and. You know, good guy, Dallas Perez. and But I didn't get my WBA title for months Serious? after. Serious? Oh, wow. No, for months after. Matching his very own, Darren. When I finally got it. Shout out to Darren sent, Yeah, shout out to Darren. It got sent to customs, got sent back. It was like, it was a nightmare. I mean, I was waiting months. Um, and then I remember getting it. And Darren, like, fairly said it, to, to drive it down from the matchroom office to me house where I was at the time. It literally come in for a brew. Must have been like, one at one two in the morning talking to him and then bang he went back on the road back to him <laughs> and then back to work the next day oh um, what a guy do you know what i think he was a postman at the time so yeah, i think he, he had to been. get the, he had to get back for the year oh geez yeah it come back i remember that night as well you just met i was with the boys it was like an evening with floyd mayweather at the time but i knew my belt was on route and i was thinking i'm not bothered like yeah it's great to meet him but i just can't wait to get over this <laughs> Just going back to the fight itself, can you remember what you done after the fight, celebration-wise? Yeah, we went to my mate's bar in town and, um, oh yeah, a lot a lot got drunk, jeez. Um, but it was mad, you like, you're bulletproof, I think, after a fight, the fight, because your adrenaline, adrenaline so, so no hangover yeah. kicks in, I yep. mean, yeah, so we went there and everyone was like, just celebrating and I remembered, um, I remember like my dad and some of my uncles, they'd never really go to like, in town, out in bars and club, but they come in, you know, to see us and stuff and, older members of my family and stuff so you know a proud moment and even the hotel used to stop in the Radisson didn't we yep and um, the staff all knew us and there was great with us I walked in probably half cut at whatever time and they was all buzzing for me it was just no it's just special times I remember the next day you know loads of people like saying I watched you last night and there was always and then one of my a mate who had not seen in years it was like he'd seen, I'd seen him and so like And I remember at the night on the Sunday, I'd always go to the chipping here, bros, your diet's off and stuff like that. And it, it was funny because it happened a lot of the times in my fights because it was local. It'd be, it's always a busy little chippy anyway, but on a Sunday it'd be packed and be people in there hungover from and he'd go, oh, fucking hangover I've got because of you and stuff like that. It was, it was <laughs> brilliant. Good. Probably should have got the whole chippy in for everyone really. But, yeah. Brilliant. And just finally, um, and I really appreciate your time today. Where does your belt live now? My belt lives now. Um, <laughs> it's in the case. It gets brought out now and again, you know, for things. And, uh, so you haven't got it on the wall or anything like that? When I've got to have my little lad and MMA fights for the title and stuff like that. <laughs> but no, it's not on a wall. It's just, it's in the case and it it varies between the attic, between the gym. It varies, you know, in different places. Um, it sounds like I don't care about it. It's my pride and joy, but yeah, it, it doesn't come out of the case that often. But sometimes, you know, if there's some kids who want to see it, I'll, yeah. I'll bring it, yeah. Well, Anthony Crawler, thank you so much for your time over the last 45 minutes to an hour, actually, pushing yeah. a bit. Um, a dream will and truly achieve, my friend. Thank you thank so much. Thank you for having us, and I look forward to some of the upcoming ones in this series. Yeah.